You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes. Put them up, along with our man Nick Costos. You better, you bet. And guys, we're in the final week of the season. Lots on the line. And we got to talk about it from a betting perspective. And Nick is here. We've got Saturday games, obviously Sunday games. I want to start with Baltimore. Baldy, they've clinched the top seed. We know there's no way in hell they should play Lamar Jackson or any of these guys, to be honest. But Pittsburgh comes in, they're 9-7, and seven, and they have motivation to win this game. Nick, it is Baltimore favored by four, Steelers on the road, over under 35 and a half. What are you thinking? Yeah, I thought the first happy new year, guys. And I think we get to ring we get to ring in the new year with I think like a really great betting opportunity in this game. And it does not mean the bet's gonna win. I just think it's I think it's a great bet. Uh, I'll take the points with Baltimore here and feel like as good as I can feel before a game starts as possible. And Pittsburgh deserves a ton of credit. Mike Tomlin now, by my math, his 758th consecutive non-losing season to start his head coaching career. God bless him. He's unbelievable. Mason Rudolph actually throwing the ball down the field. And, like, we'll have a conversation about Kenny Pickett's future in the offseason because, yeah, it seems like he's been benched clearly at this point now, now that he's healthy to be the number two. And look like Pittsburgh's more likely to win the game with Baltimore Carl, to your point, resting Lamar. I'm sure they'll be resting Kyle Hamilton, other starters as well. But the idea that Baltimore at home with this coaching staff against their biggest rival is just going to let like the Steelers waltz into town and just like win the game and like potentially qualify for the postseason. to me, like doesn't add up with what the Ravens culture has been since John Harbaugh took over as, as the head coach. 
Tyler Huntley has shown that he is one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. Almost beat the Bengals last year on Wild Card Weekend. I think he's a, I think he's a stud backup quarterback. I think he's excellent. And think back a couple years ago, 2019. This is the Duck Hodges year for Pittsburgh. Steelers went to Baltimore in a game that was meaningless to the Ravens in Lamar Jackson's unanimous MVP season. Steelers needed to win that game to make the playoffs. RG3 started for Baltimore. Final score, Ravens 28, Steelers 10. That doesn't mean that this is going to be 28-10. Just that I win if Pittsburgh wins the game by three. Hell yeah, baby. Give me the Ravens coming up on uh, on Saturday. You know, it, it's interesting. When Baltimore clinched on Sunday, one of the coaches had hit me up on a video that I did. And so I just came and I, and I told him whatever. And then um, I hit him up and I go, like, you sitting all your guys this week. And he said, well, there's only so many people you can sit. You know, uh, you know, there's only so many guys in the practice squad that are capable of playing. So what it told me was, yes, Lamar will sit and probably Ronnie Stanley, probably Kyle Hamilton. But there's going to be a lot of starters out there. that are going to play. Like, I don't think Tyler Lindenbaum is not going to play like he's their Pro Bowl center. I think he's going to play, um, you know, and they've been playing backup running backs all year. Uh, I know certain guys on that practice squad that have been active that that were on the pack squad got released, had been called back with the idea. I think they might play. So like, I think some starters will be out, but Baltimore's playing to Nick's point. They're, they're playing to win this game. And the idea that Pittsburgh just has to show up with TJ and Mason Rudolph and Pickens and that running attack that they have now and going to win the game. Like it, it's, it's going to be a whole, they're going to have to play the game to win the game that nobody's giving them this win in Baltimore. We know wacky things happen in the final week of the season, guys. I totally agree. Let's talk about the night game. I'm interested in this a whole lot. Houston and Indy. Here's the deal, guys. They're both playing for a playoff spot. One could get in as a wild card. The other could get in as a division champ if the Jags screw things up. Yep. They don't win. So looking at this game, it's only a one-point game, right? I mean, Indy is favored, you know, uh, or Houston, should I say, is favored by one point. On the road, which is weird, but talk to me about this, Nick. I mean, this game, I think, is going to be one of the best games of the weekend. Yeah, I, I can't wait for it coming up on Saturday night. First Texans game, by the way, to not be played at 1 o'clock Eastern time. The entire season will be this game on Saturday. And by the way, you're 100% right about the final week getting crazy. And for the Steelers fans, I think this is going to be a cakewalk. Just remember the Drew Bledsoe year in Buffalo and Willie Parker ran for a million yards and the Steelers backup snacked the Bills out of the playoffs. I'll keep this really simple here. And sometimes I think it's probably like sometimes it's good and sometimes it doesn't work out. But uh, I'll make this as simple as pick the winner of the game. That's what the point spread implies. Uh, I'll take CJ Shroud over Gardner Minshew. Uh, I'll take the Texans to win the game. And if I'm wrong, I am willing to be wrong and lose my bet. Because uh, my bet is that is that in at the end of the game, if it's close, I want my money on the better quarterback. So I'll take the Texans and I'll take CJ Stroud. I'll also note the total is 47 and a half. And we've seen like Shane Steich at overs be a thing this year, although they haven't cashed the last couple of weeks. I I think I'd bet the under in this game if I had to do anything. And we'll see about the, the health of Noah Brown and Robert Woods and the, uh, the Texans receiving group here. And I think Will Anderson with a charge here coming up on Saturday night, I think he can steal defensive rookie of the year away from Jalen Carter. And by the way, if Houston loses this game and Stroud does not play well, and Puka on Sunday sets the rookie receiving record, and he's playing in the game to set the record, and then they'll pull him, like there's a chance Nakua wins offensive rookie of the year. So still a lot to be decided as far as betting on NFL awards. Uh, but I'll take the Texans coming up on Saturday night. Give me Stroud over Minshew. I'll keep it as simple as that. 
Baldy, real quick, Shane Steichen. He's done a hell of a job, right? I mean, no Anthony Richardson, regardless of what you might have thought he was going to be. And to turn this around and be in this spot where you're playing for something in the last week of the season, he needs some props. No question. No question. I talked to uh, Shane in, in Atlanta two weeks ago and told him so much so. Uh, he doesn't want to really hear any of that stuff. But, you know, winning winning is uh, is a mindset. And he's got those guys believing. He obviously knew Gardner Minshew really well from Philly, knew what he could do. He stepped up. He's one of those backups that, you know, we talk about as a starter, the way that he's played. Uh, in this game, though, we'll get into it more a little bit later, Carl. Man, if anybody's watched this Houston Texans defense play, they look like um, the great castaways. Like everybody's, whether it's Jerry Hughes or Denzel Perriman or Sheldrick Rankin, Sheldon Rankins, like these guys are playing their butts off. And it did make a difference that Will Anderson came back last week and looked like the quickest guy on the field. So, and like, and this uh, Jonathan Greenard has been unbelievable. He'll be back this week. Like, this defense is really good. And I, I think that it, it, this is all about the under in this game. Guys, let's move to uh, to Sunday. Can Tampa blow this against Carolina, a two-win football team, and not win this division? Can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers blow this? They are favored by four and a half. Sunday, 1 o'clock, you win, you're in, you're the division champs, and everybody says, hey, look, we were right about Baker Mayfield. Are they going to blow this? I, I'm just looking forward to a, another edition of the Real Housewives of Charlotte coming up on Sunday when David Tepper throws his drink in someone's face. It's going to be awesome. Uh, do I think the Bucks can blow it? Like, no. Like, I don't. I mean, Caroline, I can shut up by C.J. Beathard. I guess I'd want to throw a drink also if I were if I were owned or was a part of that team. Uh, no, I, I, I think the Bucks will win the game. Do I think they're going to win by margin? I'll tell you what. And there are some people I respect that bet Carolina – with the thought being like they can keep the game close at home, final game. Also, I loved like Chris Tabor coming out. It's not even a criticism of him going, yeah, all our healthy guys are going to play. <laughs> Duh. Like, what, rest them for September? Like, of course they're going to play. Ridiculous. Um, so some people I respect liked Carolina just to keep the game close. I I actually think I'd only bet the Bucs. Uh, I don't want to bet the game. I think the point spread's just like perfect. Tampa favored by more than three, less than six. I will say the one betting application of this game is comeback player of the year, where it's a three-man race now with DeMar Hamlin, Joe Flacco, and Baker Mayfield. Hamlin's case is over. He will be inactive on Sunday night, barring like some sort of injury to like Hyde or Poyer, someone in the Bills secondary. He's not going to play. Flacco's not playing this weekend. His case is done. If Baker Mayfield shows up and balls out on Sunday and the Buccaneers win the NFC South, I think he makes his final case to be comeback player of the year. My sense is... When it comes, and I can be wrong, when it comes down to it, I don't think the voters are going to vote for DeMar Hamlin, who's barely played this season. I think it'll be Baker or Joe Flacco. I I am invested in both. I would love for either one of them to win. This isn't deep analysis here, Nick, but I know Baker Mayfield pretty good since he was a walk-on at Texas Tech. Um, That guy, it doesn't take much to get Baker motivated, but to go into Charlotte where they ran him out of town. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's going to be certain faces on that organization that Baker can't wait to put one up on. Guys, uh, Jackson, Jacksonville has a chance to uh, win the division. We talked about the Texans game on Saturday night against Indy. All right, w- what's going on here? And this over-under, 40? I'm like, I'm thinking over, Nick. Am I crazy? Because I saw Mike Vrabel go in this week saying, hey, I hate to lose. I think his team's going to show up. I don't know if they cover, but I think they show up. 
Oh, I, I definitely think they cover. Um, now, I think Tannehill's going to start. Uh, Levis was on the first Wednesday injury report. But, like, it, it could, Levis, could, it's, it's, we're doing this on Thursday morning, right? We don't even have Thursday, Friday practice reports yet. I think Tannehill probably starts. That's, that's my guess. And I am guessing Trevor Lawrence will start practice Wednesday in a limited fashion. Maybe they get Christian Kirk back for this game. I think probably Kirk would be back. The practice window opened yesterday. I think he's probably back in the wild card round if Jacksonville makes the playoffs. Um, I, I do think the Jags are more likely to win the game, but I, you're betting this game with the spread. I mean, it's I, I think it's Tennessee. And what I would do is wait, and maybe you get a six when it's officially announced that Lawrence is playing, and maybe you get the bump there. Um, you lose nothing, you being the person that's betting, if you're listening to this, and you like Tennessee, you lose nothing if it goes down to five or four and a half. Five is a dead number that's not going to land. You lose nothing by waiting. So I'm looking to wait to see if I can get a six with Tennessee. And this is not like anti-Jacksonville. Jacksonville's definitely going to lose. Just that, like, I get one of the great underdog head coaches in the history of the NFL and Mike Vrabel covering the spread at home in a game where they can play spoiler. Also, like, let Jacksonville prove it to us that this team's just going to, like, roll out of bed and be the dominant team that they were at some points this season. We haven't seen that in a long time. Ah, uh, the sure. Titans are one of my favorite bets of the week. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm announcing that game. I'm going there because it's one of those games where you win, you're in. You know, it's just that easy. But I haven't seen this team. I know they they beat up on Carolina last week, but I haven't seen this team look like a team that could make any noise in the postseason. To your point, Nick, um, they they've just been far too not just inconsistent, but they just haven't looked like a good football team. I, mean, I know Travis Etienne got a big touchdown run last week. But other than that, we haven't seen any explosive runs from him. And they they look like a team right now that's just treading water. I I don't know. I like I like I know Tennessee's gonna show up. I know they'll play hard. I, I don't have any question about that. If what by the I, way, Carl, if Jacksonville wins this game, yeah, and it's Jacksonville Cleveland wildcard weekend, I think it's very likely that the point spread of that game will be Cleveland favored by less than three points, just in case people want to get ahead of that. I would bet the Browns laying two and a half. I agree. Totally agree. All right, one last game because it is also winning you're in, and that's Green Bay. At home against Chicago. Listen, whatever you think about Justin Fields, he's playing good, okay? And he could definitely play spoiler here. And Jordan Love put the team on his back last week. Tell me what you think about this spread. It's Green Bay at home, but they're only favored by three against a Bears team that we know – Eh, they can give it up. And I'm kind of curious to know, like, do you think the Bears hang in this one? I Well, I, I have to take, like, a number of L's here on this show, on my show, and, ton, and all the content I do. But, like, I, I basically, like, slandered the Bears all season. I've bet against them the last couple weeks. This is, like, as morphed into, and I give them a ton of credit, right? They've morphed into a, a legitimate, they're a legitimate NFL team. Like, they, they're really good. And by the way, it's going to go down probably that the most important Bears game since Super Bowl 20 will be their former head coach, Lovey Smith, beating the Colts in the final game of the season last year, which will gift them back-to-back number one overall picks in the draft. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's it's the truth. That's That that game is going to prove to be more important than the 2006 NFC Championship game that the Bears beat the Panthers in to go to uh, to go to the Super Bowl when they lost to Peyton Manning and the Colts. Like, that that's what it's going to be. Um, so give the Bears a ton of credit. Legit team. And I see this point spread, and I see three. And I feel like I'm going to be like Lucy here and get the football pulled out for me here. And I'm just going to, it's going to go poorly for me here. Um, my strategy here is going to be when it is announced that Green Bay is getting all their guys back. So Christian Watson, he did a pregame workout on Sunday in Minnesota. 
He practiced yesterday in a limited fashion. He told reporters he's going to play on Sunday. So, like, when it's announced that Watson's playing, that Reed is playing, and that Wicks is playing, and that's my expectation, and we'll see. Still time to, to go to figure that out. Uh, I think Green Bay is going to get bet. I think we'll probably see this close three and a half, and I will hold my nose and take the points with the Chicago Bears because I, I think Chicago's legit, and I don't think Green Bay should be favored to win the game by margin, four points or more. So it's Bears or nothing for me in this game, and it makes me incredibly nervous to say that out loud. He's the best in the business, guys. Nick Costos, tell the people where they can follow you and check you out, sir. You better, you bet. Weekdays, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Sunday mornings on WFAN. Sundays, 11 a.m. to 1. Uh, you can also catch me uh, doing content for BetMGM and as part of Westwood One's coverage of the National Football League. We will do more in-depth on what these playoff games will look like with Nick as we get in the next week and beyond, guys, and count down to the Super Bowl. Nick, appreciate you as always, brother. Have a great week and enjoy the games. Get money. Hell yeah. Wishing everybody minimal sweats, winning bets. The absolute very best of luck. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, Carl Dukes along with Brian Baldinger, and we are going to bring in our man, Jason Lacanfora. This is In the Huddle. And, uh, of course, we ask you to subscribe, like us, follow us on YouTube at In the Huddle Pod. You can watch us each and every week. It's been a fun season. And as we count down, Baldy, uh, and we get Jason to to get ready to come in here, he's covered the Ravens. And I want to start with your breakdown of Lamar because I thought it was Uh, (laughs) kick-ass. Because – these are the kind of things that we talked about in the offseason with, is he going to get better at? Is he going to develop under Todd Munkin? And now that they have the number one seed, and for those who missed it, go check out Baldy's breakdowns. He does it and has been doing it all season long. He's put one out there with Lamar, and he's talking about how he manipulated the defense and then ultimately makes a great throw down the field. Baldy, why is he able to do this? Why has Lamar been able to do these kinds of things? You know, I've been thinking about that, Carl. It's a great question. It really is. And to me, like, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off course here. But if you look at some of the great soccer players, if you look at some of the great basketball players, they didn't come up through AAU. They didn't come up through, you know, the programs. There's a part of a freelance to Lamar's game that can't be taught at 7-on-7 seven seven drills. That can't be caught taught by programming quarterbacks at all these different camps. There's a, a freelance to Lamar's game. Like there was to, you know, to Lionel Messi's game in soccer to how Michael Jordan played. Some of these guys just played the game. And so like the play that I put out there and it was confirmed by Javon Holland that it, it threw him off as a safety on the play that Lamar pulled out to his left. Like he was, he actually stole the play from the Miami Dolphins where they dragged save flowers across the formation like it was Tyreek Hill. Like he's been running this play for the last two years. And then he he goes down the sideline at full speed. And then he either goes straight, he cur- he stops, he, he runs a dig route. So Lamar actually pulled out to his left like he was a left-handed quarterback. And it got Miami almost looking like they're looking at two in practice. Mm. And then at the last second, he flipped his feet and he threw it 75 yards to Zay. Now, 
that's something that came, Lamar came up with that. That's not something, hey, let's try this. That's Lamar. That's his level of thinking about, we. I think we can maybe, maybe trick these guys a little bit. But at the same time, the deep passing game is now in in Baltimore. You you saw the Zay Flowers shot, half field read, Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, screaming down the field to hit Zay for 25, hit Zay for 75. It was a short passing game, and as we welcome in Jason here, it was a short passing game, long runs early in the year, but it has gradually evolved where they are now attacking mid-level and deep at the same time, and they're connecting. And now this thing is full on. This passing attack is legit. You have to take it serious. And if Lamar wants to take off, which he looks reluctant to do, he can. If he wants to step up in the pocket and really pressure the defense, he will. And if he wants to take his shots with dead accuracy, he's doing that. He's the most improved player at that position in the league right now. It's in the huddle, guys. Obviously, Jason Lockon Ford joining us here. Subscribe, like us. Jason talking about Lamar, and we've talked about how you cover this team and are close to it. What's the difference between Greg Roman and what Todd Munkin has, has done there? What's the difference? Oh, oh there's a lot. Um, you know, the quarterback's empowered now. The quarterback plays the game through his eyes, not really through Greg's eyes. There's a whole lot more autonomy in terms of what he can check in and out of, what he can do at the line of scrimmage. Um, they still run the ball a fair amount, for sure, um, but they run it, it differently. It's not as men, not as much option stuff, not as many quarterback design runs. And then the way Lamar is facilitating the mesh point has changed. He's keeping it himself a lot less. Um, and while they're still running it with the same volume, it's almost like they run it when they have to. They passed it when they want to, which is the exact opposite of what they were before. Um, the goal of the 2019 Ravens seems to be run yourself into third and short and then have the ability to do whatever you want to do. This Todd Munkin Ravens team is we're going to do whatever we want to do in the passing game on first down, and then we'll adjust accordingly. And you can just go to this Miami game and see, guys, Lamar Jackson passing on first down against the Miami Dolphins. 12 of 13, 194 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 158.3 rating. The one incompletion was the bomb to Rashad Bateman to start the game. Bateman got both hands on it. Could it have been thrown a little better? Possibly. It's also a catch a lot of guys make. If you do, then Lamar's 13 of 13 for 230 yards, three touchdowns, and still the perfect quarterback rating. Lamar Jackson play action passing on first down. In that game, eight and nine, 155, two touchdowns, 158.3 rating. It would have been nine for nine if Rashad Bateman catches that same pass we're just talking about. I mean, I think that crystallizes it. Like they were not throwing the ball on first down in 2019, and they certainly weren't airing the ball out and play action on first down in 2019. All that stuff is spot on true, Jason. And the, the numbers are the numbers, Carl. But what really elevates Lamar over everybody else in his business right now is we don't talk about Mark Andrews anymore. We don't talk about the fact that Ronnie no. Stanley and Patrick McCarry are rotating at left tackle or okay. Daniel Falele yeah. is playing right tackle, or they played without, yeah. you know, different offensive line. They've lost, you know, the most explosive running back that they've lost a number. Nobody talks about what Quite. they've lost. Yeah. That nobody's talking about anything. You know, that Melvin Gordon come can come in. Out off the street and play. So 
nobody's talking like and everybody else everywhere else everybody's talking about the injuries and that's why things are struggling not in Baltimore you don't even mention it now obviously we see Mark Andrews on the sideline last week and you know he's a part of the team and I don't want to dismiss Mark but Isaiah likely has stepped up and Charlie Kolar is catching pass that's the function of a great quarterback is you don't notice the losses quite as much as you do in other places when the quarterback isn't playing at that level. It's a great point. Baldy, Brian Baldinger, Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes, guys, it's in the huddle. We're back together. And of course, counting down to the start of the playoffs. Baldy, let's talk about Shane Steichen and his offense with Indianapolis. The Eagles struggling. Jason and I talked a little bit about this on Tuesday and what's going on with Nick Sirianni. And then you see Shane Steichen and he's doing this with Gardner Minshew, right? He's doing it with backup running backs and all this stuff. And now they find themselves in a game where if they win, they're going to be in the playoffs and uh, they're playing for something significant on Saturday night, guys, against the Houston Texans. Talk to me about that, and then we'll talk about the Texans. Well, I said when Nick Sirianni lost both Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon last year, I was in Dallas when we would lose coordinators every year. And I said when it happened this year that it's more difficult to replace great coaches than it is great players. And we're seeing that. And I'm not saying that's the whole reason for the demise of the Eagles. But Shane Steichen has an ability to shift when things aren't working right. Jonathan Gannon showed the ability to be able to make certain shifts when the linebackers weren't playing well. They didn't build this team the right way. They shouldn't have left T.J. Edwards go. They shouldn't. They probably should have left James Bradbury go. There's certain things you know, when corners can't really run anymore, there's certain things that you should do. T.J. Edwards in Chicago, that he never comes off the field like he did in Philadelphia. But but that's that. There's a number of reasons. But I, I think these coaches that the Eagles lost have made a, a, a big difference in empowering the quarterback, fixing the quarterback, balancing the run game, which is imbalanced right now in the pass game. It's, it's showing up on the field right now. Jason, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, to amplify Baldy's point, the, the brain drain, uh, you know, the next man up in Philadelphia has not been as adroit and as uh, adept at at the weekly reinvention that's kind of required in this league based on the matchups. They just haven't been. And, and I don't I don't know if the, the players have the same belief in this in this scheme or what's being asked of them from week to week as they did last year when there were different lieutenants running the offense and the defense um and and the colts deserve a lot of respect and and um Steichen deserves a lot of respect for for what they've done there and this could be an interesting matchup with the texans um you know the first meeting for whatever it's worth and obviously a lot's changed since then but that was C.J. Stroud's coming out party, guys, really, right? Like, he, he week one, I'm like, he looks the part against the Ravens, but that's a tough ask, your first game on the road at Baltimore. And then he throws for 384 against these guys. I think Nico Collins had five catches of 23 yards or more himself in that game. Tank Dell, who's not available now, went off in that game. Um, and I really think, Baldy, the matchup for me is, is this Colts defensive front. That tends to generate a lot of pressure, but, man, I don't know if they turn it into the kill shots, right, the drive-ending stuff that they need to turn it into, that they can't 
two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi to Stroud. I, I think that's that's the ball game if, if that's well, what it is. You know, it was a big difference last week. Pittman came back for the Colts on offense. He he they need a he's their legitimate number one target. Um so Pierce is their number two and then their tight ends. So they 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 missed him against Atlanta. Watching CJ Stroud come back last week after two weeks out. Like you go, okay, why is he so good? And you go, you 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 watch this guy's how because there's an urgency that every quarterback has to play with. Some look like they panic in urgency, and some are just naturally urgent. Meaning you could go from number one to number two, number three, like this, and the feet move and the eyes move, and it's a dart of a throw. And then Nico Collins came out of nowhere to be a legit number one receiver. Big target, can run, run every route, and he gets fed. Watching C.J. Stroud play last week, it was just a joy. Going, this league needs this level of quarterback so badly. And I think he's going to show up on Saturday night. I think C.J. understands the moment. Um, he's been He's been in that building before. This guy plays this game the way you have to play the game. And it's not – there's nothing forced or anything about – you lose Laramie Tunsil last week, nobody even noticed. Mm. You're playing with your backup right tackle, nobody noticed. Um, this is a – and defensively, I was just – I remember last this week, guys, I was watching Philadelphia's defense and I was throwing things at the screen out of frustration yeah. going, does anybody care? Does anybody have any urgency? Does anybody want to defeat a block? Anybody want to make tackle? Then I watched the Texans play defense and I go, what are they on? What what is what is D'Amico feeding these guys that every single guy plays the game full metal jacket? This they're a fun defense to watch. This is gonna be a fantastic game. It's a playoff game, literally yeah. a playoff game. It's gonna be played at a playoff atmosphere. Baldy, it's funny you say that about the Texans because the, one of the first games of the season was Ravens, Texans. Yeah. And I I spoke with some of the guys with the Ravens organization, and they told me after that game, Dukes, Texas is really good defense. And that was like week one, week two. And I was like, eh. And they were like, no, no. They, they've got a really good good young guy team that gets after it. And as the season progressed, and, and this gets back to Nick Casario, who I gave a lot of crap to, Jason. I mean, listen, the Texans were a blank show, but the best yeah. thing he did was bring in D'Amico Ryans, right? It just completely changed. And they drafted correctly. Those first two draft picks, they got it right. But it completely changed the, the, the complexion of that organization from where it was, and it wasn't all Nick Casario's fault. But my point, guys, is that defense has been playing lights out pretty much all season when you talk about how good they've gotten to this point. You know, when I when I look at this defense and the construction of it, yes, they drafted Jalen Petrie and Stingley, you know, a couple guys. But it's Denzel Perriman, it's Jerry Hughes, it's Sheldon Rankins, Tyre Tart, who got cut from Tennessee, is in there playing. Like, it's just castaways that – Everybody gave Blake Cashman. It's just castaways everybody gave up on. And I can almost feel D'Amico's vibe going, guys, I'm going to give you a chance here to show everybody else that Steve Nelson, you should be playing in Philly. You should be in – like all these guys are getting a great chance. And I I feel like they're taking advantage of what D'Amico's given them. And to go with some good young talent, Jonathan Greener's a good young player. You know, you can look at guys that they've drafted and developed – there, that's going on too, but there is a secondary level of castaways that are being galvanized mm-hmm. by this second, third, fourth opportunity for some of these guys. 
Well, you, can't, you can't run on them. That's for damn sure, Baldy, right? Like, I mean, I, it's a story. Derrick Henry, hey, like, Henry doesn't want to see him. That's for sure. No, and that used to be 200 yards and three yard. touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, that was fantasy football championship every time he played them. Like, whoever had Derrick Henry against the Texans, forget about it. He's winning the week. Like, they've changed their spots up front. No, no two ways about it. Guys, um, why are the Rams dangerous? Now, they play San Francisco. Baldy, we know Stafford's not playing. You said, I think the phrase was what they value health over. What, what's the phrase? Health over? Over seedings. Seedings. Yeah. So they don't care what happens because they're in. San Francisco's already claims the number one seed. But why are the Rams dangerous? I want to talk just a little bit about this before we get to the playoffs because I think you and Jason are on the same page with this Rams team. Well, okay, a couple things. One, the Rams don't care who they play. The Rams feel like whoever they, wherever they have to go and whoever they play, it doesn't matter. Like Jason saw him in Baltimore, you know, five weeks ago, and they put up 31 points. They lost in overtime on a punt return, and they played great. Kyron Williams ran the ball the way you have to run the ball against that defense. Stafford made stick throws. He made some freelance throws. Um, he makes these spot throws, the one in the corner of the end zone, the Cooper Cup. You can't defend it any better, but the throw beat the coverage. So – so they, they've they fixed their offensive line, okay? This Steve Avila is, you know, nobody's going to root for a left guard as the rookie of the year, but he plays like that, that level. And then they fixed the line, Alaric Jackson, Coleman Shelton, you know, picking up Mason. Um, you know, Havenstein's been a great player. They, they, the running game is legit. Right now, Kyron leads the NFL in rushing yards per game, number one. And then what Puka has done, to go with everything else. And you got a, a great coach on the sideline. And then you look defensively at the development of Kobe Turner and Byron Young, you know, and some of these young players that are playing and they have one, six, their last seven. I think they can go anywhere and beat anybody. They're just that good. And they execute that mm -hmm. well. And really the quarterback at this probably stage of his career probably could use a week off just to rest the arm and he come back and be razor sharp. And so I applaud them. Like, and honestly, you know, San Francisco is in the same position. Now, can you get to the same level of execution that you have demonstrated? They struggled a little bit against the Giants. Interceptions showed up. Um, but this is a dangerous football team because they can run the ball and protect their quarterback. Hmm. Um, as we talk about these playoff scenarios, win and you're in, obviously, Buffalo, Miami, guys. Buffalo at Miami. It's the Sunday night game. And if Buffalo wins, obviously they win the division again. I didn't expect them to be here, guys. Five weeks ago, I did not expect the Bills to be here. So here they are, and here Miami is coming off of this blowout loss against the Ravens. And you go, what's going to happen Sunday night? Jason? I think the Buffalo Bills are going to win this football game. I don't know that it's going to be all that pretty. Um, but Josh Allen has had Miami's number his entire career. Um, and if you dig pretty deep, he's had Vic Fangio's number. Um, mm. even some, you know, Fangio's defenses in Denver, like he's put up 324, 360, uh, against the Dolphins. He, he's, he's had like 200, at least 250 yards passing, at least 40 yards rushing in every game he's played against. Them. Um, he absolutely eviscerated them earlier this year. And again, you know, 
you can't go too crazy about that stuff. The league changes from week to week, let alone from month to month. However, this Miami defense is not nearly as healthy now as it was then, and he kind of got a good look at their best 11 and shredded them. Um, I, I think the Miami injury concerns now have reached critical mass. Like, they're without both of their edge pass rushers, and you think of what they do in terms of pressure – but they're also amazing athletes with a lot of length and reach, right, and and long levers. Those are the dudes who keep Josh Allen hemmed in. I mean, this is a Josh Allen playoff game. Josh Allen wants to run for 120 yards on them. Guess what? They're going to have a hard time stopping. Um, I, I don't love Buffalo's passing game, Baldy. Like, you know, as the run game has gotten better, they pass less. The efficiency in the pass games dropped off even more. Stephon Diggs, I really don't know exactly what his role is. They got the two tight ends back. Has there been a game where they both look like a thing? Like the 12 personnel package isn't doing anything for me. It's there if they need it. Um, but I, I just feel like Buffalo's been playing playoff games for six weeks, to your point, Carl. They've won pretty much all of them. They're they're no longer into the box score. They're no longer into any of the sexiness of their offense. They're just into finding ways to win games. And I think they're healthier than Miami. I think they're a little more battle-tested than Miami. What's Miami's biggest win? Dallas at home? Like, I, I just feel like this is a spot where Buffalo does the job, Baldy. There's something there's something about Florida players when they come back to Florida. <laughs> it is, it, it's like, it's like a magic dust in their shoes. Like, James Cook is coming back to Miami. Now, obviously, him and Dalvin grew up here. Um, you watch what James Cook does against his defense, who's been pretty good against the run. Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins yeah. have been outstanding. You're getting Jerome Baker, I think, back at middle linebacker, which can help. Um, here's what I think. Of, I think Buffalo's going to win the game as well, uh, and in large part because of the, the shift in the emphasis on the run game, including Josh Alba, James Cook, and the offensive line, Gerald, you know, Deion Dawkins going to the Pro Bowl, deservedly so. However, I do think Miami, like I almost think this, if they get in the playoffs, if they get – Mostert, Achan, Waddle, and Tyreek healthy. Sure. Like, sure. if they get them all healthy, that is a difficult offense to stop. And to me, I almost feel like Mike McDaniel should say to hell with it. Like, just get these yeah. guys is rested and get ready to go on the road yeah. and go play a playoff game with your four by 400 meter relay team yeah. healthy. And I feel like that's, I don't think defensively you can ask Vic Fangio to do a lot with a lot of backups out there right now, I feel like this is a team that has to go score 35 and go win playoff games. And they're capable of doing it. Baldy, Jason, um, I, I'm not impressed with what I've seen as of late with Jacksonville. They have a must-win game on Sunday against Tennessee. And I'm not sure what's going on with Doug Peterson. I get it. We, Baldy, you said the injuries, it's affecting everybody. But you've got to be able to overcome that. Why am I not feeling good about Jacksonville I think probably they win this game, but hell, the way they played the last few weeks, I, I just don't know what to expect Sunday against Tennessee and Mike Vrabel, who is going to have his team ready to play. Well, here's the thing, you know, because everybody's going to say this, you know, win and you're in. You got all the motivation. Motivation is fine. Execution is better. Like what you need is real execution. And that's what's lacked in this team. You know, they, they get behind the sticks. They don't convert third downs. They're getting off the field. They turn the ball over. <clears throat> you know, yes, Josh Allen's going to the Pro Bowl, and Trayvon Walker looks like a better player than he did a year ago. And, 
all that kind of stuff. That's fine. Those are numbers. But can you stop teams when you got to stop them? And they haven't been able to do that. Um, and so they have to like show, I, I think to your, to your point, Carl, and maybe Jason, you can back this up with some numbers or some other um, research, whatever, but they have to show us that walk on the field in Nashville on Sunday and show us that you're a division winner, that you're ready to defend your, you know, win a playoff game at home the following week. Show us what kind of team you are. And we'll forget about maybe the blowout loss against the 49ers and some of these disasters that we saw down the stretch. Yeah, I just don't know who they are. Like, I don't know what they're particularly good at. You know, like, Baldy, you mentioned, like, they've got some young pass rushers. And, like, some games the pass rush is dominant. But it's not like they're putting the quarterback on his ass all the time and they're winning games, you know, 28-7. Like, no, they're in all these shootouts. So how big can the defense be? You can, you can run on them some if you want to. Um they don't run the ball. They run the ball with volume, but not with efficiency. And the quarterback, I mean, I don't know. I've been talking to people about the quarterback. I'm going to write about him this week at the Washington Post. He's obviously oh. a really good football player. But, oh. dude, he was a one Like He was a 1-1 who they put up there. You know, he was supposed to be Andrew Luck. He's supposed to be Peyton Manning. Guys, these are the NFL leaders this year in combined sacks and takeaways. Sam Howe, 82. Bryce Young, 74. Zach Wilson, 60. Russell Wilson, 58. Trevor Lawrence, 54. Trevor Lawrence has only played 13 games. Wow. Like, he doesn't run as much as he probably needs to, right, given where he is in his development. Like, he had an eight-game stretch last year where I felt like it was all coming together, and that was mm -hmm. going to be the launching off point for this year. That hasn't been the case. Ball placement accuracy has been hit or miss. He and Calvin Ridley, it takes 12 passes to Calvin Ridley to get him to catch five. Like, yeah. I just, you know, I just don't know. Like, I don't, Baldy, what are they really, really good at? Like, what's their identity? Like, what can they lean into? When times get tough, who do they become to find a way to win a drive, to find a way to win a game? I don't know what that is. And, and we're, that, it's freaking January. Yeah, well, that's why I'm not buying them. I mean, I, I'm not, they've got, Baldy said it, they got to show up Sunday. They got to show me as I watch that game play out who they are and what they're about. Uh, it's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe. Like us, tell your friends, watch us on YouTube at In The Huddle Pod. Brian Baldinger, Jason Lock on 4, I'm Carl Dukes. We will dive deeper into these playoff matchups once we know what they are moving forward as we count down to the Super Bowl. i got to ask you guys one more thing before we get out of here. Chicago Green Bay. I'm looking at this at Chicago and I'm saying, if Justin Fields goes into Green Bay and wins, does that definitively make their decision about keeping him and building around him or maybe moving on? And then the other side is Jordan Love, if he wins, obviously Green Bay is in. They're a three-point favorite, and I just think there's so many angles to this Bears-Green Bay game for the last week of the season, Baldy. Chicago's a really good football team, and they've been a good team, and now they're winning games. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a snow game like it was against Atlanta. Like, they – they show up. And, you know, they, they got two Pro Bowl players, Montez Sweat and Jalen Johnson, and they deserve to be. But there's a lot of other really good players. This defense, I don't know that any defense has improved more since the start of the season. I've watched them every week. Uh, offensively, Luke gets it, it gets it. And this offense is now very difficult to defend. They can run the ball. 
the way you got to run the ball. I formation, tough runs, short yardage, goal line. They can run the ball. It's far more than when Justin Fields would scramble and you get a, a good run total at the end of the game. They can legitimately run the ball. And now they know how to move Justin Fields on play action, on bootlegs, on rollouts. Like it's just the right feel for it right now. This is going to be a fantastic game because I think both these teams are being built the right way. And as much as if Jim Harbaugh wins this championship game on Monday night and he wants to come to the NFL and there'll be a push to go put him in Chicago and draft Caleb Williams and and for the next 10 years, that's what you get. There's a, a lot to like about that decade, that what it might look like. But are you willing to rip this up, this development, where you can win it, you can see it with the eye test. You can see it in the performance. They, they're toe-to-toe with Detroit right now. We know Detroit's a good team. Like, they are building something really, really good, and they've got assets to add to it. I can't wait to see and watch this game this weekend. It's going to be phenomenal because what Jordan Love did last week, like, yeah. Green Bay struck gold again in my eyes. Like, they've got yeah. their guy, and he is the guy. And these young players around him, I didn't think I didn't think they could win this young this early, but they are. Jason, I think it's a hell of a football game. I'm completely with you, Baldy, and trying to handicap this game. I feel like these teams are dead even, and so I'll I'll go ahead and take those points because I'm not sure Lambeau is worth three points against this Bears team. Because to your point, this Bears team they're not built to any particular climate or environment. I, I think their style of play plays anywhere. Um, and yeah, the defense since the middle of the season and now it's complete. It's two different things. It's a different species. Um, in terms of the quarterback, I, I, I think it, it will. The financial component will always plays a role. Yep. And and I also feel like if if Justin Fields keeps doing what he's doing, what you get in return for Justin Fields now goes up and up and up and up. And like Atlanta's going to be in on this. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be in on this. I think the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be in on this. Like, there's going to be a number of teams who feel like we're Justin Fields away from going from middling, you know, to quasi-contender to boom. We can play with the big boys. I agree. And I think the combination of them being blown away by these other quarterbacks through the draft process, because, Baldy, you know, it's all scripted. Like, if Caleb Williams looked, you know, if he was what he was on film – when he's throwing against air to his boys in Southern California on a beautiful day, guess what? And he's going to have an agent by then. He's going to have the answers for why he cried with his mom. Like, all that shit's going away. And it's going to be like, do we want this kid for $5 million a year? You know what I mean? Or whatever it ends up being. No, $8 I know million it's, it's, a year? it's finances. It's finances. Yeah. So, like, do we want him for $8 million a year? Or do we want to spend all season banging heads with Justin Fields and trying to figure out what that extension yeah. looks like? Or do we go ahead and take the one and the three for Justin Fields Draft this kid, draft Marvin Harrison or whatever, or the left or sure. left tackle with the second tenth, you know, tenth overall or whatever, and boom. So I think it and, and also are they keeping every like what is Kevin Warren doing, their their team president? You know, is he is it status quo or or is something changing in the front office or somewhere in that organization? Um, but they've come a long way. There's there's no two ways about it. And I I have not been bullish on the Bears in forever. I've thought they were fake-ass team for a long time. Because from the top down, from ownership on down, they hadn't built it right. And they've, 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 they've turned the corner in a lot of ways. Um, yep. 
and they deserve they deserve some credit for that. Um, took a long time, a lot of regimes, but you know I got to give Matt Eberflus a lot of credit. I, I I was ready to write that thing off in October and just say this is this is garbage. Yeah. You can't give up twenty six points every week, no matter who you face, and they've tightened it up significantly. This is why we love the NFL, guys. It's week eighteen, and we have games that matter meaningful game we're not turning out tuning out we're not not watching games on sunday or saturday night all of this is why we love it and it's why we're here and we uh, are glad that you guys are here hanging out with us make sure you subscribe as we leave you just a couple of things dallas owns the tiebreaker against philly which means if they win they win the nfc east philly starts the uh the playoffs on the road that's big rams have won six of seven we talked about no stafford momentum guys heading into the playoffs Steelers still alive after beating Seattle last week. I mean, these are all things we're watching, and we're coming back next week talking about how it yep. all plays out. Jags, Colts, Texans all have a chance. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. So no. uh, appreciate you guys being here. Jason, follow him. Read him in the Washington Post, and thanks for making my life a living hell with those Arthur Smith comments, by the way. <laughs> and Baldy, check out Baldy's breakdowns, guys. We expect to uh, see you guys on Tuesday, and we'll, we'll be talking about how this all plays out, and we will Let's know what, what these matchups look like. Guys, have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Jason. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 